stay here in First Thessalonians. We'll be here uh, early on in this message. Forgot to say during announcement time, in the case you were like, since when do we need a couch on stage? Uh, so we will slowly be developing our uh, Christmas play uh, stage set as well. So uh, enjoy dreaming and thinking of what this might look like uh, by the time it is uh, time for our Christmas play. Today we're going to talk about the command to encourage one another. This is not actually a repetitious command much. There's only a few handlings of the words to encourage one another in the New Testament. And if you're like me, there are just some English words that you just struggle with. Encouragement happens to be one of those for me. So hopefully uh, this message isn't just for me. Hopefully somebody else can get some things out of it. But when I think of the word to encourage... I'm not even really sure what that means. I mean, we use it in such a wide variety of instances that it's hard for us to always understand the command standing alone, which is why it's so great that the commands don't just stand alone. They're in context, and so the context can help us understand what it is that the authors of Scripture are trying to encourage us to do. But we use the word encourage in a lot of situations. And you probably have them in some sort of ranking idea when I say, like, we need to encourage one another. You probably can, like, immediately have a sort of picture of what that is. But it's a word that gets used in a lot of different contexts and contains a lot of different meaning, and yet it is so very vital. So let me try and do some interactive thinking here today. What kind of things do you need to be in order to be encouraged? What has to be true in order for you to need encouragement? Or uh, what kind of situations is encouragement a needed thing in our lives? Okay, so you're afraid... And you need encouragement so that you have courage, okay? Gives confidence. What else do we encourage people? Right, when someone's downhearted, right? You know, like, this is not a good situation. And you encourage them, not by telling them that their situation is not a negative situation to be a part of, but that you give them some sort of comfort in that situation. We use the word who encourage to mean comfort. Uh, one another as well. What else? Yep. Yeah. To, I don't know another word you encourage, but uh, you you uh, cheer someone on, saying you can do this. I believe that you have the ability to just keep pushing forward. Uh, a cheer for endurance, kind of like what. People in stands do for sport, sporting events. They don't really do much of anything else, but they always say, well, we won, and they, they didn't do anything but clap. So we have yeah. additional. Yeah, when someone's overwhelmed, you can come alongside them and encourage them and 
maybe help gain a bet a different maybe not even better but a different perspective on things we also use the word encourage to like say like this is what you should do the nice politically like christian way to say it is i really encourage that you should do this you should read your bible i encourage you to do that uh, i encourage you to not keep sitting right uh so we use the word to encourage in that way too to tell people like here's what you should be doing here's what you shouldn't be doing and we're encouraging you to do the right thing you know so in all of this what you have is encouragement almost necessarily takes place in community i'm having a hard time thinking of a way I guess, aside from sitting on your own and reading the Bible, you sure could get encouragement some way. In some of our passages, it actually says that God is the God of all encouragement and that the Holy Spirit encourages us. But it's hard to get encouragement from something that's just not part of your community. It is not a relationship that you have that you value. If some random stranger came up to you and said, oh, you look downtrodden today, just buck up. That doesn't do the job, right? It, it's nice that someone maybe saw you in your need, and it's not necessarily all that hurtful that someone would tell you, like, hey, you can, you can be happier, you can be cheerful, you can be comforted. But encouragement is one of those things like fellowship that I think that only can be done in its full extent when the relationships are in place as such that you can discern what type of encouragement people need. For me to just offer in this sermon a blanket statement that the church must be a place where we encourage one another and then for one of us to take it to mean we need to tell each other what's right and wrong in every situation. Or someone say, like, I need to just, like, give everyone a nice little warm hug and maybe a comfort blanket so that they can feel okay in the fact that things aren't going well. Or that I need to just cheer them on and say, you can do it. Maybe they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, but you're going to just cheer them on anyway. If all of us take a different meaning of encouragement and just run with it in every instance where someone needs something of encouragement, but we don't have the wisdom and the relationships in place for us to discern what kind, what strength, and the timing of encouragement, it won't do its job just like some stranger walking down the road saying, why don't you smile? I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> so, we need first, before we can even get to the actual act of encouraging one another. Be mindful of each other, the situation in life we find ourselves in and each other. We need to act in humility and in love, looking for uh, a life of harmony with one another. We cannot run into a moment where encouragement is needed and instantly immediately before talking to a person know what kind of encouragement they need and good chance that they probably need all of them over the course of any given circumstance in their life whatever 
you know, we like to use the Christianese word trials. Whatever trial they may be going through, they might need every level of encouragement in any circumstance that they might be in. But we need to be a discerning group of people to provide the right kind of encouragement in the right moment with the right words. So, let's start in 1 Thessalonians. We'll back up to chapter 4. All of chapter 4, as Matt was talking about, is about encouragement. The words to encourage appear time and time again. And as you may see, depending on which translation you are using, they might use different words for the same Greek word in this passage. In chapter 4, verse 1, Finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God as you are doing, do it even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This is one level of encouragement. We encouraged you to walk in the way of Jesus. You are doing that. Continue to do it. Do it even with greater fervor. Okay? And this is how he starts this chapter. Verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, which we talked about in Sunday school. That you abstain from sexual immorality so that each of you knows how to control his own body in sanctification and honor, not with lustful desires like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses as we also previously told and warned you. See how that's connected to the first verse? We encourage you to walk after the way of Jesus. And you're doing it. You need to continue to do it. And you need to do it with more fervor. And then they said, like, this is something we told you about earlier. And we're not backtracking on this. This is something you must take serious. We warned you not to do this. Verse 7, For God has not called us to impurity, but to sanctification. Therefore, the person who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who also gives you his Holy Spirit. Then he talks about something we talked about uh, previously in the sermon series about love. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers, to do so even more. So here's something where, like the first one was, like, you're doing the right thing, but here's the danger we warned you not to do. Here's something we told you to do, and you're doing, and we're telling you, keep going. Paul and his partners are writing back to the church in Thessalonica to say, keep going, You're doing a great job. Keep running in this way. It says to do it even more, to seek to to lead a quiet life. I love this. My translation says to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you so that you may walk properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. That doesn't mean in the healthy sense of dependent, meaning being kind of enslaved or in debt to anyone, uh, meaning that you cannot uh, take care of your own selves. Then, 
we move into verses 13 through 18. And this is the encouragement that comes from the realization that Christ is returning. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, who are dead, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For we say this to you by revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. See, this whole chapter, he's writing back to the church in Thessalonica and saying, we encourage you to do this. We warned you about this. Don't do this. You're told to do this. You're doing it. Keep going. And then he says, and this is how you can encourage one another. By looking towards the future and realizing that this is going to be the outcome. And Although this passage is great, if you want to do a theology talk about uh, eschatology, it's definitely a passage you need to talk about. But let's look at the end. So we will always be with the Lord. Regardless of your eschatological systematic theology position on how everything happens and in what order and what things are or are not, uh, metaphorical in nature and you know all of these things. All good Christian eschatology ends with we will always be with the Lord. Doesn't matter the mess, the timing of the mess of our lives, the encouragement unique to the Christian faith is that all of us who are in Jesus, will always, never again, separated from God. We will always, for all of eternity, when time has no end, be with God. As has been God's desire from the creation of the world to the resolution of our our fallen existence, God has always desired to be with us And the encouragement is that God's plan to be with us is certain to take place. Well, we can get, therefore, encourage one another with these words as the only encouragement to give people when they are mourning the loss of a family member. And for sure, it is a time to have this perspective You know, when we lose a family member who does believe in Jesus, he says, I don't want you to mourn like those who have no hope. Because we do. That the story isn't done. Eventually, we will be with them. And more importantly, all of us will be with God for all of eternity. And so... That doesn't mean you don't cry at your family member's funeral. doesn't mean that you don't have moments where you wish 
your best friend was still alive. What it does mean, though, is that we have the ability to see God's plan will work out even though my plan might not be working out. So, God will bring us to be with him for all of eternity, and we can encourage one another with these words. Because God's plan is certain. He is all-powerful and completely capable of bringing it to a conclusion. And I think, if we understand this in its context, the encouragement here is not just to bring comfort, but to reinforce the way we are to be living right now. Because if we will forever be with the Lord, that's the future that we're heading towards, then it should change what we are doing here so that we walk in a worthy manner so that people who are not inheritors of this hope can see how we are walking and living and it would call them to repentance. We need to love one another, seek the peace among one another. All of these other one another's are important for us to do because that is how our lives for all of eternity will function. So it is a call not just to feel encouraged and uplifted and maybe a little bit more positive in the face of something negative. It is to understand that the realities of heaven are certain and because they are so certain, we can start experiencing them now. And then... As if that wasn't enough to dedicate a whole chapter, he also takes chapter 5, half of it, to talk about encouragement on the other side of the end of the story. About the times and seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then suddenly destruction comes on them, like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape but you, brothers, are not in the dark for this day to overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then we must not be asleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. I love this description of the, the day of the Lord. Because it says it will come like a thief in the night. Thieves that come in the night are always unexpected and unwelcomed. I'm assuming, right? You don't want a thief showing up in the middle of your middle of the night at your house, right? It's unexpected. No one's expecting, oh, I bet tonight I'm going to have a thief come out. It comes out of the blue sky, out of nowhere, and you don't want it. And then it says in verse 4, it says, But you brothers, you believers, are not in the dark so that this day won't overtake you like a thief. This day won't be like a thief in the night for us. It might surprise us, and that's totally fine. But it will be so welcomed. As opposed to a thief in the night, it will be like a surprise birthday party. It will be one of those, wow, I was not expecting that. This is the great encouragement. This is the great hope that we can have. Because if we find our hope in our day-to-day lives, 
we will be disappointed over and over and over again. But if we look to the future where God's plan is certain, we can experience something that others experience like a thief in the night as a surprise celebration for us. So then, uh, we keep going. We'll jump down a couple verses to verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. This is the difference between a thief and a celebration through Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, so whether we're still alive or those who have died who have believed in Jesus already, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So whether we live or die, if we are Jesus's, we will always be with him. And when that happens, it might come as a surprise, but it will not be unpleasant. We can have hope, we can have confidence to continue to have courage to do the right thing and to stop doing the wrong things because we know the outcome. And whether we live or die, it doesn't change the end because we will always be with him. A couple other passages that I'd like us to turn to is Hebrews we're going to be start in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews, James, and then 1st, 2nd Peter, if you're looking for that. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3, verse 13 is where we find the word to encourage. But uh, let's go back to verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception, for we have become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly until the end that the reality that we had at the start As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. Notice how this is still linked to the end of all of our stories. They use the uh, example from Scripture of... the exodus and getting to the land and they don't go into the land. And then God says that because of their rebellion, they will not enter my rest. 
which is just a picture of our future rest, living with God for all of eternity, that our evil and unbelieving hearts could exclude us from entering into that rest. Now I know Hebrews has got its problems and I'm not here to exegete the whole book of Hebrews where we're trying to figure out like it's got the word brother in there and doesn't that mean we can lose salvation and things like that? I will gladly talk to you about that after service. But we need to be sensitive to the fact that we should be encouraging one another to hear God's voice and not harden our hearts. When the Bible has instructed us to do this, but our hearts are telling us, I don't want to do that. The question is, do you listen to your heart or do you listen to the voice of God? When the Bible says that we ought to bear with one another, and this person is really kind of taking me off. I don't want to bear with them. I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to even talk to them. Do we listen or do we listen to our hearts when the Bible says that we ought to speak the truth in love? Do we do that or do we dodge the question? We need to take care that people who will enter God's rest hear his voice and obey it. That is the per- those are the people who will enter the rest. So, in uh, relation to this, if you turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Talking about Christ's perfect sacrifice and all of these things about how it is that we can even have this kind of relationship where we can get into uh, this rest. Chapter 10 and then uh, verse... We'll start in 23. Let us hold to the confession of our hope of the end without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Other translations say, let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is what it means for a community of Christians to encourage one another. To hold fast to the fact that the end is certain, we will always be with God forever. And while it is still today, we encourage you to hear the voice of God and listen and obey it. And we do that together to encourage each other towards love and good deeds. So that we participate together in following the path of Jesus. In Romans, I won't have you turn there unless you want to, but Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, it says, uh, Paul's talking to the church in Rome that he hasn't seen, and he says, For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, to which, if you stop right there, it's really awkward, because then it sounds like Paul's like real hyped up on himself. But I want to impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. And then he says that is this spiritual gift he wants to strengthen them with. To be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. 
both yours and mine. He says, I'm looking forward to the day I get to meet you because I know when we do meet, your faith is going to encourage me to continue and my faith hopefully strengthens you in the same way towards love and good works, working with God on the end of the story. And then again in Romans 14, he says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. These two uses that Paul has demonstrate the mutual nature of encouragement when it is done inside of a community. It is not just you and your spouse, you and your kid. It is something that can be broadly understood in a community and particularly in a community where we know in the end we will all be with the Lord that we can work together to be mutually encouraged. This is not the call to one, two, or a few people within a church body to be the encouragers. Now, you may be gifted, and by all means, please use that gift to be an encouragement. We all need people like that, but we all need to be people like that as well. To understand someone's situation and not to rush in with the immediate, here's what you do. This is the right thing, this is the wrong thing. There is probably going to be a time where that is a conversation you need to have. That is part of encouragement is, do you need help navigating the right thing? Let's see if the Bible actually speaks to what is right or wrong in this situation because if it is, we need to hear God's voice and listen and obey it. However, we need to be able to discern and be kind in the way that we encourage one another. We need to not assume we know the details of everyone's situation. We need to ask to be let in so that we can provide the right type and time of encouragement for their situation. And in the process of doing that, you will also be encouraged. It is one of these crazy things that is so hard in my understanding to wrap up into this one word to encourage one another. Because that sounds so simple. Just go encourage each other. Say something nice to each other. That is not what the command to encourage one another is. It's to build each other up, to, to cheer each other on, to do good things, and to listen to God's voice and not to rebel keeping in mind the end of it all. We need to be the people in the world that have hope, to have certainty, who have courage, who have confidence, because we know the end, and the end doesn't depend on me being alive. Because I can die, and guess what? I still get to live with Jesus forever. It doesn't matter, because God is faithful to finish what he's promised and what he has already started, and he has started that in us. And so let us be people who encourage each other with truth, not just kind sayings. Let us encourage each other on the path of obedience, even if that doesn't sound like so much fun. Let us be people who encourage each other with a proper understanding of the situation people are in to offer to be there. And it might take a long time. 
It might take your lifetime. But it's okay because the end doesn't depend on you still being alive. Because Jesus rose from the dead, and so it will be for us. But while it is still today, encourage one another daily so that none of us will be hardened by sin's lies. That we can live our lives however we want because the end is certain. Because that's how our sinful heart wants us to live. Well, if nothing you can do changes the outcome, then do what you want. Do whatever's easy. Do whatever's comfortable. And that's why we need our community like this. So we can say, no, the end is certain, and it doesn't depend on you still being alive in order for it to happen. But because it is certain, and that's the way we live for eternity, we should start doing it now. So that those who are not part of this promise can see it. So that we can share the hope that they can be part of it. So that we can be forever with God, with all of the people who have put their faith on the Messiah that he was going to save us from our sin and bring us into the presence of God. There are so many believers we have never met. There are so many believers alive today that we will never see or be able to communicate with. But think about the thousands of years of people who have trusted God at his word And we will all get to be alive and with God for all of eternity. So that issue with your boss at work, perspective. I don't mean to say this mean, Terry, but your knee, in the grand scheme of things, can provide perspective. And that is not always the thing you need to hear right at the beginning of a situation that is happening. But it can be a mindset that all of us encourage each other to stay in. The end is certain, and it's super awesome. And nothing that happens now will change that outcome. But the one thing that in the outcome that is still up for change is how many people will be coming. Because if you're a believer, you're getting there. There are other people, there, you know, one of these passages calls them the outsiders, those who are not part of this, who will see the day of the Lord as a thief in the night that was unexpected and unwelcomed. Those people you rub shoulders with. Those people you own property next to. There are those people who are in your families. But the outcome is for sure, and the invitation is still open. For people to come. So let's encourage one another while it is today to listen to God's voice and obey. Let us spur one another to do what is right and to explain the gospel and the good news to those around us. Let us gain a perspective on all the things that, yes, hurt us, cause problems, might even kill us. But we know that God's plan is certain so let us encourage one another build each other up let's not expect only a couple people to do that for everyone let's learn to do that all for and with each other dear father we thank you that your word gives us encouragement 
and helps us gain perspective. Thank you for the information of your plan that you have given to us. And although we have a hard time fathoming it sometimes, we know that the end is we will be with you forever. And it's all because of Jesus who sacrificed himself to be the payment for our sins even while we hated him. We thank you for the good news that we can come to you even in our pain now, even in the circumstances that break our hearts now, even in the face of death, we can come to you now. That you use the Holy Spirit to encourage us, but you also use your people to encourage us. We pray that we would have a soft heart that hears your voice and then obeys it. That we would not be people who hear your voice and rebel against it. Let us encourage, give confidence, hope, cheer when people are doing the right things. Let us warn when they're doing the wrong things. Let us comfort them when they are in need of comfort because of the sorrow in their life. Help us to do that well for and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen.